Hi there, and welcome to Once Upon a Time, a collection of fairy tales based in and around the northeast of England. My name's Johnny, and today's story is Snow White. Today's story starts with this lass who was seriously fit. She had that whole resting bitch face thing going on, so that everyone thought she was permanently pissed off, but nevertheless, she was an absolute stunner. They called her the Queen of Gateshead, and everyone loved her. They didn't love her just because she was hot, but also she was the admin of a local buy and swap Facebook page. This woman was seriously powerful, and she knew it. Now, power and narcissism can be a deadly combination, and the Queen's love for herself grew into sheer unadulterated obsession. She'd upload selfies daily to Instagram and check hourly to ensure that she was getting the most likes in the Kingdom of Gateshead and would regularly use the hashtag fittest of them all. And while this behaviour may seem arrogant, it wasn't hurting anyone. And to be honest, the Queen didn't have many friends. She'd got pregnant at 13 and was a single mother. Between the Facebook admin, the part-time job at the bookies, and her teenage daughter, she didn't really have time to socialise. So that was life for the Queen of Gateshead. She'd while away the days posting selfies in varying states of undress, all for the adoration of anonymous strangers. Then she'd ban someone from her page for selling stolen ciggies and head off to work. This cycle repeated more or less uninterrupted for many years, but as the years did go on, the Queen's looks began to fade, and as her looks diminished, so did her Instagram likes. Now, I mentioned the Queen had a daughter, and it's her who this story really revolves around. A hero, so to speak, seeing as though you can't say heroin anymore. Her name was Snow White. Now, some say she got her name because she's as pale as fuck. Others say that it's because she would happily suck dick for a bag of cocaine. Whatever the reason, as both were quite true, she was called Snow White. Snow took after her mother in many ways. She wasn't quite as much of a needy little twat, but still, she'd accentuate her pale features by contrasting them with bright red lipstick and dyed black hair. There's no way that colour was natural. It was at Snow White's 19th birthday night out that the shit really hit the fan and our story actually begins. She'd gone out down the big market with the lasses and proceeded to get absolutely twatted on Jaeger bombs and shots of Sambuca. She'd blown her dealer in the back of his fiesta earlier that day and as part of what I suppose you could call their blow for blow agreement, she'd acquired enough Charlie to keep the lasses going into the early hours. So absolutely off her tits on cheap alcohol and class A narcotics, Snow parties the night away, and in doing this, uploads a few snaps to Insta as a memory of the night she was too wasted to remember. While Snow White and her friends danced the night away, the Queen of Gateshead laid awake, scrolling through her social media feed. And that was when she noticed it. What the fuck is that silly little bitch doing out? Little twat told me she had no money when I asked her against Bones this afternoon. A rage built inside the Queen as she watched the likes mount up on the post. It was easy enough to understand why it was so popular. A bonny lass barely dressed and having fun. It was uplifting to say the least, but this didn't stop her getting jealous. It was when the Queen decided to delve into the comments section that she went properly crackers. For that was when she noticed that someone had used the familiar hashtag when leaving their remark. The fittest of them all? The fittest of them fucking all? That's me who's the fucking fit one, not that scabby little red-lipped twat. That fucking Doyle doesn't know what he's on about, fucking prick. But the leaver of the comment did know what he was on about. Snow White truly was the fittest of them all. 
and soon others joined in, hailing her beauty. In just an hour, the picture had over 200 comments, all in one way or another complimenting the pale young woman, although in fairness, they were in varying states of vulgarity. Nice tits was probably one of the more polite remarks. I'll leave the rest to your imagination. This level of adoration far surpassed anything the Queen had experienced before, and she flew into a rage. She knew that once the bars started to close, Snow White would be getting a kebab and stumbling home, and she hatched a plan. Picking up her phone, she called an old friend who owed her a favour. All right now, you threw our best kebab. That's the name of our shop. We call it that because we do the best kebabs. Would you like a kebab? Ah, shut up, Mickey, it's me. I hope you remember that day I let you sell your fags on my page. We both knew it was going against the rules, but I let it slide. And now the tabs come to return the favour, like. Oh shit, I do remember that, like, pet. I'm forever in your debt, like. What is it you want me to do? Check your phone, I've sent you a picture of a young lass. Hey, she's bloody beautiful, isn't she? The most knockers real. No, she's average, and you can find out when you hold them out the way to cut the bitch's arm out. What do you mean? I'm not killing a young lassie. You're off your fucking head. You'll do as you're told, or you'll get a six month ban from me fucking page. How are you gonna feed the bears without your third income? We both know you can't survive on your benefits and kebab money alone. Aye, I suppose you're right there, pet. What do I need to do? Look, she'll be in later, pissed up. She'll go outside for the ciggy, and when she does, follow her. I want you to follow her and cut the bitch up. And once she's done, cut out her fucking heart and bring it to me in a polystyrene tray with some chilli sauce and a pit of bread. Then I'll be the fittest lass in the land again. Okay then, pet. I'll get that sorted for you. But I will have to charge for the pitter and the chilli sauce, overheads and all that. Can't be frivolous with the sundries. Just get it fucking done. Back in the tune, Snow and the girls danced and laughed and drank and drank and drank until the evening became a blur. Their speech became slurred and eventually, as the clock struck four, they decided to make their way home. Via, of course, the best kebab shop in Newcastle. Hey, lasses, let's get in here and get a kebab like we extra fucking garlic, said Snow as she ushered her friends into the building. It was late as Mickey greeted them and took their orders. Four special kebabs all with extra garlic. Why aye lasses, this food's gonna take ages, I'm going for the ciggy. She declared as she went outside, followed discreetly by Mickey. Hey, I knew that Snow White they're all talking about. Mickey asked as he held a knife in his hand, ready to do the Queen's evil deed. Snow turned around. Well aye, I'm Snow White, but I didn't know who's been fucking talking about us like. As she turned to him and he caught sight of her cleavage, something in him changed. Mickey wasn't a bright man, he was simple, as were his needs. But nor was he evil or cruel. When it came down to it, he simply couldn't bring himself to remove such a beauty from the world. But he couldn't risk a ban from the Facebook page either. He was fucked. But then, he had an idea. Listen pet, your ma's gone fucking crackers and she's asked us to kill you. Wants me to cut your heart out and give it to her with chilli sauce. You fucking what? Me own ma? She's off her fucking head. Aye, I know pet, but listen, here's what's gonna happen. Call an Uber. Gan in it and fuck off, somewhere quiet where your mum can't find you and hide, otherwise we're both fucked. And with that, Snow hailed an Uber and got inside. She never said goodbye to her friends, it would be easier if they thought the worst. The car travelled down the A19 as they approached Sunderland. Keep going pet, we're not that fucking desperate yet, she said as the wheels kept turning. Snow was aware she didn't want to get as far as Hartlepool, but just as this seemed inevitable, she saw a sign for Sheldon Colliery. That's it, she said as the morning dawned and the drugs wore off. Her hangover was just starting to kick in while she waited for the come down to start. Sheldon Colliery, 
that'll be me new home. The taxi pulled away somewhat urgently. The driver had just got a call to drive a stag do from Hartlepool Marina to the Bongo. It wouldn't be the most peaceful ride of his life, but he told himself it would bring in a decent fare and he was already almost in the area. In reality, he needed the extra cash to get his balding tyres replaced before someone official, like a policeman, noticed. He wasn't prepared to bribe his way out over another warning, not after last time, but that's not something he wants to think about. The night had been long enough without him losing sleep due to those flashbacks. Anyway, I digress. The taxi pulled away with due haste and left Snow alone. It was early morning and she looked around the village. She saw the bright yellow signage of the Nisa shop and instantly felt drawn towards it. She headed towards the entrance and after perusing the chilled products, she moved a strawberry milkshake and a packet of Space Raiders into her basket. She resisted the urge to shoplift a cream egg on her way to the counter, where the attendant greeted her with a typically jovial greeting. All right, pet, he chunted. I'll just have these, mate, but here, like, do you know of any, like, uh, flatter out going round here for rent? Nah, pet, I don't get involved with anything like that. We used to have a notice board, but it's all online these days, he said, and gestured towards a blank cork board on the wall near the entrance. Just one solitary drawing pin, holding the remains of the last post ever attached to it, from a time when the locals still had notices worth posting. Ah, shite, well that's neat fucking good, Snow replied as she slumped out the shop and down the road. In the distance, she saw a cottage, somewhat dilapidated, but it wasn't the state of the decor that caught her attention. It was the sign in the garden. It was a homemade sign, but the hand-painted words were clear for all to see. Room to let. That was exactly what she needed, and judging by the state of the sign, whoever put it up wasn't the type of person who would ask for a reference, which would surely work in her benefit. She knocked on the door, but there was no reply. When she knocked a second time, however, the door opened slightly. It hadn't been shut properly, and the house was clearly empty. She nudged the wooden door further open and shouted into the hallway. Hello? Anybody there? Again, there was no response. She found herself placing one foot over the threshold and shouting again. Hello? If you're there, I'm coming in. I want to rent the room. Hope you don't mind. She walked through the house, which was in darkness. All the blinds were closed and what little light spilled in through the cracks didn't illuminate much. She took out her phone and used it as a rudimentary torch as she found her way to a light switch. By now, Snow was exhausted. The drugs and alcohol had really worn off, and as she flicked the switch and made her way up the stairs, she began to feel dizzy. She opened the first door she found on the left, and as she entered the room, she saw seven tiny beds all in a row. She was too hungover for the strangeness of this to register, and she laid her aching body down across the mattresses. As her eyelids met, she fell into a deep and dreamless slumber. Hours passed before the front door of the house creaked open again sound followed by seven pairs of footprints stepping into the property. The astute among you will have already made the leap of logic. For those incapable of this feat of logic, I'll point out that the seven pairs of footprints belong to the owners of the seven beds which Snow was currently sleeping on. Why these seven gentlemen shared a bedroom, or even a house, remained a mystery. They were definitely odd little bastards, and when I call them that, the word little is not simply figurative. I doubt the use of the word dwarf is politically correct, so let's go with little bastards, as it makes a nod towards their personalities and we're not just classifying people by stature. Anyway, dwarves, bastards, whatever, seven of the fuckers had just returned from signing on. In happier days, the seven had been coal miners, 
in the mine that the town was built around. But in the 1980s, the Tories' systematic dismantling of British industry has resulted in the mine being shut, and the seven little bastards were made redundant. Well, six of them were jobless. Doc, the oldest of the seven, had landed a cushy little job in the local job centre, which was bittersweet as it allowed him to keep up the payments on the mortgage so his friends had somewhere to live. But last week he had to sanction Dopey's benefits because the silly tit had gone and got himself a paper round that he'd neglected to declare. Snow stirred as the seven entered the room. What the fuck is that? remarked Dopey. I think it's a woman, came Doc's reply. Because it's a fucking woman, you silly twat, said Grumpy. The question is, what the fuck is it doing in my bed? Grumpy approached the girl who was now awake. Here, pet, what the fuck are you doing in my fucking bed? Chill out, like pet, I was only having a sleep. I did want that room you were advertising, but if you're going to behave like this, I'll just knock you the fuck out and find somewhere else to live, shall I, pal? Come on now. A voice from the back of the room belonging to another of the little bastards rang out. Let's no get carried away. The rent needs to be paid, and we need a lodger to pay it. So when can you move in, like pet? I, for one, could certainly do with a woman's touch. Well, I guess I'm already here now, so I suppose I'll stay, shall I? And that was it. The agreement was struck. And after their fraught initial meeting, Snow White and the Seven Little Bastards actually soon became very close friends. Very close friends, some said, but that's none of my business. Months passed and things went from good to better. The eight got on well. The local pub had a fine selection of gins and craft ales, and there was a supermarket down the way for when times were hard, and the eight friends all needed to share a four-litre bottle of cheap cider. Snow began signing on with the six of the dwarves, and it is said that in exchange for certain favours, Doc had promised to never sanction her benefits. Snow, at heart, was a kind woman, and with every benefit payment she received, she squirrelled away a few pounds and saved it up for months, until she had enough to buy her new friends a present. They had looked after her well, and once in the pub when one of the locals made a crude remark about her body, Grumpy smashed a pint glass in his face. Snow thought long and hard about how to repair their kindness, and then it dawned on her. She had the best idea. The digital revolution had somewhat missed the backwater town that was Sheldon Colliery, and as far as her new friends were concerned, an apple product was something that grew on a tree and was eventually turned into a crumble. She decided that she would change this. She would educate them, show them what they're missing, she would get them their first ever smartphone. She set them up accounts across all the main social media platforms, taught them about hashtags and likes and all sorts of newfangled wizardry, and they loved it. Instantly they became hooked as they browsed the pages of complete strangers to pass judgment on their lifestyles. Unknown to the group, however, was how monumental this smartphone would be in their downfall. I say that, it's easy enough to blame the phone, and the digital world which it unlocked, but perhaps more justice would be served by lying the blame at the feet of Dopey, who, despite many lectures from Snow on internet safety, had changed his account settings to public so that everyone could see their posts. I can't blame him really, the poor little fucker ended up with a like addiction and craved the validation that came with them. But regardless of his reasons, that day Dopey truly earned his name and uploaded a selfie of Snow and himself sitting on a bench outside their home. One of those selfies with a puppy dog ears. It was fun and it was cute, but it was fucking stupid. The next part of this story won't shock anyone. It was simply a case of history repeating itself as it tends to do. Remember, Snow White was the fittest lass in the Northeast, and it really didn't take long for that photo to go viral. Incidentally, that photo wasn't the only thing to go viral that week. 
the little bastard formerly known as Happy was forced to change his name temporarily to Itchy following a late night rendezvous with Slack Alice from the Chippy, but that's probably not something you need to hear about. As the picture got shared far and wide, it was only a matter of time before it appeared on the radar of our friend, the Queen of Gateshead. And to say she was pissed off was an understatement. Where's that fucking Doyle Mickey got to? The lying little bastard said he'd cut that bitch's heart out. What the fuck did he serve me on that fucking paper bread? A dodgy little twat. You'll never put anything on my Facebook page ever again, the fucking knob. And with that, she instantly blocked him from her selling page and sent a message which, despite only being one word long, carried enough sentiment to portray the entire spectrum of emotions she was feeling. That word? Twat. The next thing she did was hatch the plan. She updated her Facebook status to read Any MUAs any good with prosthetic makeup? Inbox me like huns like pet. She knew that Facebook was awash with MUAs, self-taught makeup artists who feel the need to tout their business by simply changing their middle name on Facebook to MUA and occasionally sharing pictures of winged eyeliner or overly complicated contouring techniques in between outdated and badly spelled memes about how much their children mean to them. You know the ones. We all know the ones. It wasn't long before the Queen's inbox began to fill with amateur artists seeking further information about this obscure request. She explained to each of them that she needed some costume makeup for a special party she was going to, and wanted to be made to look like a 40-year-old man, the type who could pass as a travelling Newcastle brown ale salesman. At this point, most of the MUAs brought contact with her, but one remained tenacious and confident in her ability. And it wasn't long before Angela MUA Cottersnatch was in the abode of the Queen, armed with enough silicon and fake stubble to turn Cheryl Cole into one of the hairy bikers. The X-10 bus pulled out of Gateshead bus station with the now disguised Queen aboard. With her was a briefcase full of what appeared to be samples of Newcastle Brown Hill. Nuki Brown, as the locals called it, is a dark and potent beer brewed on Tyneside, six or seven bottles of which is almost certain to get the drinker in the mood for a fight. More well-to-do members of society refer to the beverage as Hooligan's Broth, which is perhaps a more fitting title. The contents of the Queen's briefcase, however, would do more than prepare the consumer for a fight. If you looked closely, you'd see that the bottles had been opened and resealed, which had allowed the Queen to lace the drink with enough opiates to knock out Paul Gascoigne, and this formed the basis of her nefarious plot. The Queen, still unrecognisable, walked slowly down the steps of the bus as she looked around the village trying to see if she could recognise the house that was in the photograph which had brought her there. She walked up the street getting a few dodgy looks, as the way she walked was a little too feminine for the rest of her appearance, but regardless of the look she received, she eventually stumbled across the house and prepared herself for some absolutely stellar acting. She knocked on the door and Snow White answered. The little bastards were all at the job centre signing on. Yeah there mate, can I help you like? asked Snow. No, said the Queen in her manliest voice but I can help you. You have been selected from the early tens of contestants to win this case of Newcastle Brown Ale, and all you need to do is try a sample and let me know what you think like pet. What, and that's it? And I get to keep the old case? Asked Snow, slightly suspicious about the too-good-to-be-true offer. Why, I like pet. That's all you've got to do. The Queen held back a smile as she opened the bottle and thrust it into Snow's hand. Snow White then took a big gulp of the drink. She'd always loved Newcastle Brown Ale, so this would be easy. She'd just neck the bottle, say something nice, and spend the rest of her day chilling in the garden. Well, that was her plan, but as the last drops fell into her mouth from the upright bottle, 
Snow White hit the floor like a wet gazette. The queen rubbed off her fake stubble and walked away smiling. She stopped off at the boozer on the corner to celebrate with a bottle of real Nuki Brown before getting back on the X-10 to resume her reign as the fittest lass in Gateshead. The little bastards returned home to find Snow passed out on the front step. Fucking hell, she's been drinking again. Grumpy chunted as the seven travelled up the garden path. Hang on a minute, Doc said as he knelt down to check on her. She's knee got her pulse, mate. The wee bairn's dead. The seven were shocked. What had happened to their friend? What were they going to do? They'd gotten used to having her around and quite liked a bit of feminine company. And now she was gone. They took the body inside and laid her down on the bed. They called the police, but due to funding cuts to public services in the northeast, there was an estimated delay of around six days before an officer could attend the scene. Deciding that by this point she'd have started to rot, they were better off just dealing with the situation themselves. Now, the little bastards didn't have a lot of money, and coffins were expensive, but luckily there was a company down the road who sold UPVC windows and doors, and given that UPVC windows and doors last infinitely longer than wooden windows and doors, it seems to follow logic that a double-glazed UPVC coffin would be better than a wooden one anyway. Plus, this shop had a sale on. So with six windows in plastic frames, a tube of glue and several rolls of duct tape, the thrifty little bastards managed to construct a serviceable glass coffin. They put Snow's body in the coffin and between them carried it up to a bit of grass around the back from the local pub that could arguably pass as woodland. Then they laid it down. Truth be told, they couldn't be asked to dig a hole. That's hard work, and given that they'd pawned all their mining tools months ago to pay their rent, they simply made an excuse that Snow would have liked to have been left above ground with a nice view. I'm sure it all seemed much more sentimental when they sold the idea to each other, but in truth, none of them had a spade, nor the inclination to complete any manual labour. A few nice words were said around the makeshift grave, and the seven decided to give her the send-off she would have wanted. They gathered round the coffin and took one final selfie, in which Snow White's beauty was still clearly visible. They captioned it, hashtag, always the fittest, and solemnly went to the pub for the way. The little bastards drank and laughed and cried and drank some more, as they remembered all the fun they'd had in the short months they'd known their lodger. The smartphone was left on the table as they distracted themselves with conversation never realising that the likes were mounting up. The picture, as is common with those involving Snow White, had gone viral. 30,000 likes and too many shares to count. It was at this point that something truly remarkable happened. The phone began to buzz on the table, and Doc, seeing himself as the alpha male, I suppose, picked it up. Hello? He said, sounding confused. You are? Who's this? You're talking shade, mate? Aye, well, we're in the pub and children if you reckon you sure like. Aye, 20 minutes then. We'll have a pint while we wait. Doc put the phone down and looked blank for a second. Well, how a fucking mental that like? Some doyle reckons he's the Prince of Durham, and he recognised the look on Snow White's face. He's cracking on that she's not dead, just in a drug-induced coma, and he can bring her back. He's meeting us here in 20 minutes to see what you can do. Hey, lads, it's a good idea we didn't spend all that money on a proper coffin if we was going to get her back anyway. Now, does anyone have the little window key to open it? The other six were sceptical, but they had no choice but to take a chance. They were also desperate to have a back that they'd try anything, and at this point, the strange prince was the only hope they had. Feeling slightly more optimistic about the situation, they ordered another round and waited for the stranger to arrive. 
The drinks were just about finished when they heard the roar of souped-up Ford Capri pull up outside, and the seven little bastards stumbled out to meet this man. He was tall, clean-shaven, and clearly worked out. If beauty was how he got the title of Prince, then it's no wonder how he got his name. The eight men walked round to the back of the pub, and the little bastards showed their new friend the coffin. Dopey handed over the key, and the Prince began performing CPR. Before long, Snow spluttered and coughed. That drink was fucking lush, she stated, clearly still thinking that she was with the Newcastle Brown Ale Man. Hang on a minute, where the fuck am I? Doc sat her down and explained the whole situation. How they'd found her and thought she was dead, and how they'd made her the coffin, and how the prince had saved her life. Hang on a minute, said Snow, slowly regaining her senses. There's only one person like who'd go through all that effort to try and knock me off. That jealous little bitch. She looked at the prince and smiled. Hey gorgeous, you free tonight. Fancy giving us a little gate head in that lush capri? The prince looked at her and smiled. I'm gonna kick that queen's fucking head in. And with that, Snow and her prince drove off into the sunset to seek vengeance and, well, I don't need to go into detail about what else was likely to happen between these two beautiful people. The seven little bastards watched as the car sped off. It seemed they'd saved her only to lose her again. But at least this time they knew she was safe. And that's the end of today's story. My name's been Johnny and you've been listening to Once Upon a Time, a collection of fairy tales based in and around the northeast of England. Today's story was Snow White. Here at Once Upon a Time, we'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on Twitter with the handle at onceuponatime underscore. Uh, unfortunately, the one without the underscore was already taken. Uh, Once Upon a Time was written and produced by Johnny Murphy. <laughs>